Thank you, Brother Chairman, and good morning, brethren and sisters and young people. What a very encouraging reading we have had this morning, as we see an ecclesia labouring under difficulty, challenges, and the trials and tribulations of life. And yet, notwithstanding the problems that faced them, they were able to cooperate together and labour to the honour and glory of their God. It is encouraging that we read in this chapter twice where they acknowledge the power of God with them. For example, in chapter 4 and verse 20, he says that our God shall fight for us. Notwithstanding the problems about them, they recognised that their power came from God, that they were not able themselves to provide that necessary challenge, but God would fight for them. And that's our attitude, brethren and sisters, as we are faced from time to time with crises, not only in our personal lives, but in our ecclesial life. That if we trust on God, he shall fight for us. And as we read in verse 15 of that same chapter, it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us that God had brought their counsel to work and to naught that we returned to the wall. God had brought their counsel to, to naught. It wasn't their activity. It wasn't their power. They didn't labour in their own, ben, uh, own uh, ability. It was God that brought their power to naught. And that is the success of an ecclesia. For in chapter 3 of Nehemiah, we have an ecclesia at work. Harmony, cooperation, mutual consideration for each other. And as we read through this list of names, we are reading an ecclesial role. But not only an ecclesial role, we are reading of the cooperation that each of those labourers had for the great work before them. They knew they faced a crisis, they had to raise up the walls of Jerusalem, and the only way that that was going to succeed was by them cooperating together and with God. Thus Jerusalem was put together, strengthened and builded through the, for the salvation of their faith and for the development of each of the inhabitants. You notice in chapter 4 that there are three keys to success. In verse 6, and it's good to outline this phrase, the last phrase of that verse, so builded we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. They saw the great issues, and their own personal characteristics were subdued before that. That means they did it heartily unto the Lord. They did it heartily. They had a mind unto the Lord. And you notice that they were, that the wall was joined together. That is the same word that you have in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, where the Apostle Paul writes concerning the Ecclesia, that as he looked at the frustrating circumstances of the Ephesian Ecclesia, he says in verse 16 of chapter 4, that from Christ the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted. And that word compacted is the same word as the word in Hebrew, joined together. 
It is compacted by that which each joint supplieth. That, that is, it is cooperating together. It is brought into one. And the wall was brought into one, brethren and sisters, as Nehemiah placed his labourers, his workmen, in various strategic areas around the wall. Each one had their own particular part to play, but no, not one part was, was less important nor more important than any other. That's why Paul says, it, the ecclesia must be compacted together, drawn in closer, so that they are working together as a unit to build the wall of Jerusalem. So first of all, the people had a mind to work. The second key to their success is in verse 9, or the second and third actually, in verse 9. They had a heart to pray. So they had a mind to work, they had a heart to pray, and they had an eye to watch. They are the keys to spiritual success. Recognising the benefit of our ecclesial association, uh, acknowledging the power that comes from prayer, and observing the needs of the times. That will, that will provide a success for any ecclesia. Now, as you notice in chapter 3, there were very many different classes of people labouring together. Different temperaments, different outlooks, but the work levelled them all as one. The greatness of the work before them, the need to, to establish the ecclesia as one, levelled the whole of that company into one force of faith. And as you consider very deeply the various names that are presented here and some of the comments upon them, you'll see that Nehemiah arranged 44 working parties around the wall. There were 44 groups of brethren and sisters who took to themselves a part of their labour. There were, for example, the priests in verse 1, Elishib the high priest. There were the Levites in verse 4, Next to them repaired Beremoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Koz, and Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazebel. And next to them repaired Zadok, the son of Baana. And a consideration of those names, which we cannot give at this moment, shows them to be the Levites. In uh, verse 5 you have the commoners. Um, next to them was that the Tekahites re repaired, but their nobles put not their works to the work of not their next to the work of their lord. So the Tekahites were the commoners. You have tradesmen in verse eight. There was the goldsmiths, those of the apocryphy who fortified the wall unto the fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. There was the doctors, the apocryphies of that period. There were the rulers in verse 9. The son of Hur, the ruler of half the part of Jerusalem. There were the w women in verse 12. There was uh, um, Shalom, the ruler of half part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. There were the merchants of verse 32. 
and uh, between the going up of the corner unto the sheep gate repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. So priests and Levites and doctors and commoners and tradesmen and rulers and merchants and women. All classes of society brought together because there was a common hope, a common need, a common requirement. And they all found work to do according to their ability. And they all did it meticulously and they all went out of their way to perfect it. That's the secret to a proper ecclesia. We're notwithstanding our standing in the community, we put our hands to the work. And it's not easy work, brethren and sisters. It wasn't easy building the wall of Jerusalem and it's not easy building the wall of faith. And we've got to become used to unaccustomed labour sometimes. Can you imagine a doctor who has to put his hands, the hands that are so skillful in his trade, in his profession, this doctor who has to build a wall with his hands with brick and mortar, can you imagine a merchant who is used to dealing, <laughs> I'm nearly going to say wheeling and dealing, I must be careful. <laughs> Can you imagine a merchant who is used to dealing in trade and commerce, who has to shovel rubbish? Can you imagine women handling bricks and mortar and masonry and pushing stones out of the way, or priests and Levites labouring in the dust? And that's what is required in ecclesial work. When we see a need for the building up of the walls of Jerusalem, we've got to subject ourselves to unaccustomed work. And they learned to do unaccustomed tasks because it was a work of the truth. And they weren't satisfied with slapping it up. <coughs> Nehemiah wasn't satisfied with, uh, with work that was beyond the cause for which he stood. The work of God, brethren and sisters, is not a matter of slapping it up. <coughs> It's not a matter of being casual with these, these things. They took pride in their labour and that chapter 3 of Nehemiah indicates the pride that they had in their labour. They performed that work in face of mocking enemies and the mockery of their enemies turned to amazement as that work was completed. And as they saw, as they looked at those walls, the walls gradually went up and up and up and the wall of protection was provided for them. And all the time there was that indi- that uh, there was Nehemiah who was constantly moving around the uh, members of his ecclesia, encouraging them, strengthening them, stimulating them in face of the difficulties which they fight, which they were subjected to. Always like Gideon, faint yet pursuing because he realised that protecting the ecclesia was an absolutely essential work. That's what Brother Thomas realised. And he established, and Brother Roberts, the statement of faith and the basis of our beliefs, they realised it was a very valuable work, and they, by their example, would lift up every one of us who labour with them, who labour with them to build up the walls by tireless work. And so in chapter 4, verse 23, there was an encouragement to the labourers. In chapter 4, verse 23, So neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, 
nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes. None of us put off our clothes. Consider the margin of the final uh, statement there. Everyone went with his weapon for water. It doesn't mean that they put them off for washing. Everyone went with their weapon for water. Uh, Rotherham says it, no one leaving them off even for washing himself. They worked long hours, brethren and sisters. They slept in their clothes. And the only reason for leaving the site of work was for the essentials of life. That's the dedication, that's the stimulation of these men at that time of crisis. And they recognised the crisis because they saw the enemy. They saw the walls lower down. They realised they had to build it up. And that's what we've got to see because there is an enemy surrounding us. Not only the world about us, but our own selves, our own insufficiencies, our own weaknesses from time to time. We have to build and encourage and strengthen one another always. As our Lord supplies the supreme example and our Lord is there always like Nehemiah was, as we're shuffling these stones, there's Nehemiah saying, you're doing a great work, keep it going, there's the enemy, make sure that you, that you labour assiduously and tirelessly and he does it on our behalf. So, like the Apostle Paul, we have to follow him as he followed Christ. And constantly our Lord, as you read the Gospel records, was always there working for his people. But, in chapter 4, as we begin that chapter, as we read it this morning, there were the wiles of the adversary. Verse 1, it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. It seems that when we are working for the establishment of the Ecclesia, as we have it in chapter 3, that we are faced with crises. They come from both within and without. Peter says that the trial of our faith be much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour at the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Nehemiah must have meditated upon the ways of providence as he saw the activity of his brethren and the opposition of his enemies to the work of the truth. So in verse 1, notice the enemy's response. He was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. He mocked the Jews. He was angry and greatly enraged, as the Revised Standard Version has it. The walls of the city of peace had caused this anger and that anger brought ridicule and that is the difficulty, the trial of uh, life that we face in the work of the Ecclesia as from time to time we are faced with these problems. He says that he mocked the Jews. He mocked the Jews. That word Jews has the um, has the tones of contempt, the overtones of contempt. The Jews, you've heard it said, he's a Jew, because he might be skillful with money. He's a Jew. He might not be a Jew, but the term is used as one of contempt. 
But the indignation of Samaria was mainly verbal. Was mainly verbal. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I used to learn that when I was a little boy at school. Don't know if you learnt that over here. Oh, you did. Oh, well. So, so it was a verbal, it was a verbal accusation. Just like the Arabs today, there's all talk and no action. So you've got in, in uh, verse 2, He spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what do, these fe- what do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish with which they are, with which they are burned? The ridicule of the the Samaritans, the opposition, had a profound effect upon the people of Nehemiah. See his description there of the feeble Jews? That signifies the sick, languid Jews. As the opposition, as the uh, ridicule of the opposition had an effect. And sometimes even brethren and sisters are, their work is lessened because of their uh, concern with what others might say about them. Will they revive the stones, the heap of rubbish, which are burned, heaps of rubbish? That was in fact the case. They were heaps of rubbish. And the ridicule of the enemy had highlighted the weakness and caused some to defect. Verse 10, Judah said, the strength of the bearer of burdens is decayed. So there was much rubbish, so we built the wall, so that we were not able to build the wall. So they had had an effect upon some of the weaker elements of the ecclesia. People were getting tired. You know, the work was long. The work was hard. The work of the truth is long, it's hard, it's a lifetime's work, brethren and sisters, and sometimes we get tired. We would like to put it aside for a bit to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And, and the action of the enemy is sometimes to this effect. But Zechariah, 18 years earlier from this time, had prophesied about feeble Jews. In Zechariah chapter 12 and at verse 8, he had prophesied about feeble Jews. This was 18 years before the circumstances of Nehemiah's day. Zechariah 13 verse 8 speaking of course fully of the time when our Lord Jesus Christ would return but also typically of the days of uh, Nehemiah. In that day shall Yahweh defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem and he that is I'm sorry Zechariah 12 I'm sorry it's got 13 on the top of my page. It's uh, Zechariah 12 verse 8 In that day shall Yahweh defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem and he that is feeble among them. Notice the margin, abject, fallen, feeling the effects of the enemy, sin being such a powerful influence against us. And from time to time we feel the effects of that. We feel the effects of being weakened and fallen in ourselves. But when God's with us, then he that is feeble shall be as David, the warrior of Yahweh, the man who slew Goliath. 
He's slain his tens of thousands, says David. And he that his people shall be as that, and the house of David shall be as God himself, the Elohim, as the angel of Yahweh before them. That's the sort of thing that comes when we feel the impact of the truth and the power of God in our lives. He that is little amongst us, he that is humble and insignificant can be like that. doesn't matter how we are, brethren and sisters, what our capacities, what our understanding is, what our abilities are, or whether we've just been given one talent by our Lord, it doesn't matter, because with the power of the truth in us, we who are feeble can be as David, and those like David can be as the Elohim. So in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 2, they were had the complaint, Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are filled, uh, which are burned? There's a whole lot of rubbish around. Will they revive them? The word means to resurrect. It means actually to give life. It's the word kaya in Hebrew. C-H-A-Y-A-H. Kaya. To give life. Will they give life to these dead stones? These dead burnt stones, these insignificant people of the Ecclesia. You know, people look at us and they say, well, if you're the sort of thing that, you're the sort of people that are going to rule the world, as you say, then they can't understand it. They look at us and they say, uh, you know, we've got no experience in ruling worlds, in governments. That's not the point. Like the enemy here, is it possible for these, this rubbish to become enlivened, <coughs> resurrected, revived? Well, these people were working for a resurrection. Chapter 3, those names of those people were in Nehemiah, they were working for a resurrection. There was a typical re- resurrection 140 years ago. And I lay, base, I lay much stress upon the work of Brother Thomas and Brother Roberts because I feel, brethren and sisters, that in this generation we are forgetting the pioneered foundation of our faith. And I see that everywhere. We're, getting, we're forgetting those pioneer foundation of our faith upon which the, the brotherhood was founded. And 140 years ago there was a typical resurrection as out of the Stones and dust of the centuries, Brother Thomas revived the truth, and that I believe, out of the darkness of the past centuries. And here was a case where Nehemiah was doing the the same thing. And who's he criticised by? Firstly, he's criticised by the adversaries. Oh, feeble Jews they were. Doesn't matter how feeble our efforts are, if we're trying to revive spiritual Jerusalem, those things will bring success to the glory of God. Let's labour together, brethren and sisters, in these things. Notwithstanding the sarcasm and the ridicule that we might receive, let's remember this is a work of God we're about. And as we come here this fellowship week to strengthen ourselves, it is that we might pursue the work of God and continue to build the walls. And ultimately, out of the graves of humanity and the dust of the ages, there will be a spiritual temple a spiritual city, build it again. Because faithful brethren and sisters have laboured down the centuries to produce the stones of the great city 
the new Jerusalem that comes down out of God from heaven upon this earth. Well, they said in verse 3, if a box shall go up and lean against it, he'll break down the wall. <laughs> Look at their feeble efforts of these Jews. Oh, if a fox goes up, he'll break down the wall. Sarcastic ridicule. Sarcastic ridicule of a work performed unto God. What's the good of a wall that's built by goldsmiths and priests and daughters and doctors? They said. And they were mocking the faithful, the efforts of faithful men who laboured under difficulty without much apparent encouragement. How is that going to be answered? In our circumstance, well, we have a indication from Nehemiah. It was answered in verses 4 and 5 by two things. It was answered by prayer and it was answered by work. And as we are colouring in our prayers, we have one now in verse 4 and 5. We need to colour that prayer in as we, as we um, draw attention to the prayers of Nehemiah for our own benefit. As they, the enemy was saying, even if a fox go up and shall break down the wall, Nehemiah is praying, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Cover not their iniquity, let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. He recognised that he was about on a work of God. And if they mocked Nehemiah, they were mocking God. This indicates Nehemiah's godly attitude. He realised that Sambalat's uh, intentions were to frustrate the work of God. So to blot out the sin of Sambalat would be to defeat the work. What our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 23 said when he faced Sambalat and Tobiah and the rest of them, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Woe unto you, blind leaders of the blind! And eight times in that chapter, Matthew 23, there was expressions of woe unto you, which is interesting because there were eight Beatitudes at the beginning of his ministry and now eight woes at the end, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 23, and there's a perfect balance between the goodness and the severity of God in all things. Paul outlines in the first of Corinthians chapter 3, he outlines three classes of builders in the ecclesial activity. We must see ourselves here. In the first of Corinthians chapter 3 and at verses 12 to 16. Now if any man build, and that's what we're about, that's the work of the ecclesia, we're builders. It doesn't matter if we're tradesmen and doctors and professional men or we're housewives. We're all building. Now if any man build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, that is Jerusalem, Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. That is the day of judgment, when Christ will assess the work. The day shall declare it, it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire of judgment will consider the value of that work. 
If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Yet he himself shall be saved by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Some people build with gold and silver and stones. Some people build with wood and hay and stubble. Both builders will be in the kingdom of God because they have endeavoured to build something. Even though part of their building, part of their activities may not last through the fire of divine inspection. The wood and the, uh, the, uh, the, the gold and the silver and the stones lasts through the fire of divine inspection in the day of judgment. Wood and hay and stubble does not last through the fire. But the builders laboured, the workers did their best, and thus they are commended, says the Apostle Paul, for building. It is, of course, much better to build with gold and, and silver and stones. But sometimes that's not possible, and Yahweh knows these things. He asks us to build. Our work, brethren and sisters, may sometimes collapse. But the attempt will be pleasing to God. What was it, uh, the message of Haggai, you're going to build this temple? He said to them, Haggai and Zechariah in those days, days of Nehemiah, you're building that temple, it's going to be thrown down. God prophesied that all their work was going to be thrown down. And it was in AD 70. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. The Apostle Paul, he, he, he laboured with the Ephesians for three years, with uh, night and day with tears. I know this, that after my departing, grievous wolves are going to come in, not sparing the flock. He worked for so hard, yet he recognised that grievous wolves would destroy the flock of, of, of Ephesus, and it did. There is not an ecclesia in Ephesus today. Should Paul say, well, you know, it's going to be destroyed. I'm not going to bother. Why should I worry about strengthening those people? They're going to be destroyed. It's not what we do, brethren and sisters. It's why we do it that counts. It's not the great conversions of the world that we're about. It's the attempt to work with God. And that's what Nehemiah is teaching us. Our work in our attempt to build for God is pleasing to him. And like Nehemiah, we shall be accounted faithful, notwithstanding our building that which we produce in others, for example, may collapse. But there's one class that will never enter Jerusalem. It's in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 17. One class that shall never... No. Sorry, verse 7. One class that shall never enter Jerusalem, verse 7 of chapter 4 of Nehemiah, it came to pass that when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Astrodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches were, uh, began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired. A destroyer of Jerusalem will never enter the kingdom.
If we build the wall, however rickety it might be, may need to be rebuilt by someone else, but we will be commended for the attempt. But if we undermine the wall, if we undermine the wall, we will receive the condemnation and condemn the good works of others. And I speak concerning many aspects, including the exposition of the word. If we undermine the will, we will be inviting for ourselves divine judgment. There are some good builders now who lie in the, in the Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, New York. Others have followed them and maintained that valuable work and we must beware lest we become destroyers of the foundation of those principles. In the present day work of the truth, which we have before us in Nehemiah chapter 4, some people can destroy the enthusiasm of others with complaints in the work of the difficulties of this or that and they can undermine the encouragement and the strength that brethren and sisters can give. They can frustrate ecclesial development. We've got to be like Nehemiah and that's the purpose of this book, brethren and sisters, to strengthen and encourage us, to make us men and women women of prayer and of dedication and of action. And here's our encouragement, that notwithstanding what Samballat said and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Astonites, notwithstanding what they said, they could not destroy Nehemiah and his work. So they thought, well, we'll, what we'll do, in verses 7 and 8, what we'll do, we'll enter into a conspiracy. We're going to use power. We're going to use the threat of force. We're going to have a big company together, like Russia is attempting at the present moment, and we're going to conspire against Jerusalem all of them to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. <coughs> to hinder, the word to hinder means to create confusion. That's what it means, to create confusion. You've got the idea of that in the Hebrew comment in the margin, to make an error to it, to confuse the whole thing. There's no better way of throwing a meeting out of balance than to destroy and criticise a good work and create confusion in people's minds. They don't know whether the book of Revelation is present or future or spiritual or symbolic or literal or whatever. So they create confusion and they destroy a work. And that destroys a pleasurable confidence. And Nehemiah answers that by, in verse 9, notwithstanding we made our prayer to our God and faithful prayer to our God and vigilance by placing a watch will produce wonderful results. That's Nehemiah's answer to ecclesial problems. You have it in verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and put a watch, set a watch against them day and night because of it. Vigilance, brethren and sisters, day and night. Not allow anything to go outside our view. He made a prayer, he set a watch. Prayer alone is not enough. We can't pray to God to solve the official problems and then sit down and say, well, God's got the power which he has. And I'll wait on him. 
We've got to provide Yahweh with the means by which he can bless us. He is not going to make robots of his creation. It is not in his character so to do. He wants people who respond to his principles, his, his view of life. And so we must provide him with the means by which we can, his prayer, by which his blessing can rest upon us. God expects us to use the means available. He has given us talent, some five, some two, some one. And then when we labour with that, he will bless us with what we do. Faith, brethren and sisters, is not presumption. It's a concrete reality. <coughs> when we come to read of what Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Astrodites did under those circumstances, when they saw that they were not... Uh, they were not achieving their results, Sambalat must have read the history of Balaam. You remember Balaam and Balak? He couldn't, he couldn't achieve his results. Curse Israel, he said to Balaam. I can't go beyond what God has permitted in his purpose. Well, if you can't curse Israel, what am I going to do? Why not compromise? Let your daughters go in and seduce Israel, that'll defeat them. And so they initiated his tactics. You have it in verses 10 to 12. Judah said, The strength of the bearer of burdens is decayed, and there is much rubbish, so that we are not able to build the walls. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them, and slay them, and cause the work to cease. They won't understand what we're doing. We're going to cause them to compromise their position. They shall not know, neither see. And it came to pass, when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places where ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. It's a people whose uh, morale was being weakened. They've been weakened by the ridicule, by the suggestion, by the, by the scorn by the infiltrating rumours of the enemy. The enemies were slipping in rumours. Do you know this? Do you know that? What brother this is doing? What brother that is doing? There's, some parts of the war is not safe. Do you know that? Slipping in rumours designed to weaken the spirit of the people. That's what was happening. Rumours penetrate our weakest part. That it penetrates and destroys the the, 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 our tiring labour. Rumours make difficult the work of lifting good stones out of rubble. Rumours make difficult the strain of being on, on uh, guard day and night and wearing out labourers. That was what was happening. Judah says in verse 10, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. Judah is a term which signifies strength. The line of the tribe of Judah, the firstborn. The, the, Judah was the principle of regal position. And even the strongest of them were now feeling the stress. It was not little Benjamin, it was Judah. The, 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 priestly, the, the, the kingly tribe. And they were, even they were saying, the strongest among them were saying, the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. In such a situation, brethren and sisters, 
the enemies were slipping in rumours of a concerted attack. We've got the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. We've got all this great power. This tremendous con- con- conglomeration of nations of power. You can't last, Judah. You can't last. And that such stories were gathering strength. When the Jews from outlying parts of the city, as you have it in verse 12, came in and said, do you know what's happening? Out there, they've got all the nations, they're gathering force. We can't last, our little ecclesias doomed. Because of the power of the enemy. And as they came in from outlying parts to labour in the work of the truth, they brought these reports. The reports of the men of Gibeon and Tekoa and etc. And caused panic in the work, in the midst of the work. And Nehemiah recognised that and now he dealt with that situation. He said that the work was too important, the work too important to allow, to allow fleshly affections to destroy it. He realised where the rumours were coming from. He knew the, 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 the weak brethren that were allowing these things to upset them, that they were infiltrating from the outside. So he said, all the workers on the wall will now sleep in Jerusalem. They will now sleep in Jerusalem. No one will return home until it be finished. And there was no more rumours. When the ecclesia got themselves together, brethren and sisters, and there weren't people who were flittering out away around about, when the ecclesia was brought together Within the walls of Jerusalem, when it was compacted together, then rumours ceased and there was speedy action on the wall. When we pull our ecclesia together and we all cooperate, we don't worry about what's going on outside, then we are strengthened within. And that that was Nehemiah's answer to the threats from the enemy and from the rumours which were dispiriting the people. His, His answer was, encouragement and organised defence. Verses 13 onwards. Therefore set I in the lower places behind, behind the wall and on higher places, I set the people after their families with the sword and the spear and their bows, after their families. If their faith failed, they would remain to fight for sons and daughters and brethren. <coughs> And that's what the Jews did in the last war, not not uh, world war, in the war of liberation. In the establishment of their kibbutzim, they worked with their children and their families there. And a soldier, knowing that he is protecting his own, he will work, he will fight more vigorously. And we've got to recognise the privilege that we have to fight for our own, our own brethren and sisters. It is not only us who are in the in the firing line, it is those who, little ones with us. And so he rec- recognised that and Nehemiah provided that. And he said in verse 14, And I looked and I rose up and I said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember Yahweh, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your houses. Recognise the responsibility that you have. Recognise our responsibility in the Ecclesia and do three things, brethren and sisters. Be not afraid. 
first thing, exercise faith. Remember who is with us. See the army of Yahweh in the, in the heavens that the servant of uh, uh, Elisha could not see. Be not afraid. Faith. The second thing is, remember Yahweh. The word there, by the way, is Yahweh in the Hebrew. Remember him. Recall the great strength that is available. You know what he did to you? He destroyed sin when you were baptised. Destroyed sin. Remember his power. He's great and terrible. And the third thing is, fight for your own. Those whom Yahweh has given into our care, our spiritual sons and daughters, our brethren and sisters, that Yahweh has provided into our care, and your courage will help yourself and your own. And the morale at this time of the ecclesial families was being weakened by the inroads of worldliness. And this age, this today, this age, brethren and sisters, is driving a wedge, a wedge between young and old. And big business is inflating youth to the discard of others. And that's the enemy we face. And they use the same means today as they have always used. We must fight with our families. That's the point that Nehemiah is making. Fight with our families to ward off the evil of this age. We must be all together. That's the lesson which we're having in Nehemiah chapter 4. We are all in the city together. And Nehemiah saw the value of that. Both young and old. And we cannot afford to separate ourselves in our studies, in our activities, or in any other sphere of ecclesial work. Otherwise we lay ourselves open to the, to the threats the, and the dangers of the enemy. And so finally in verse 15, Nehemiah turns the enemy's propaganda to his own advantage. It came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us what they planned, and that God hath thus brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, even unto his work. He said that God had revealed the enemy's plot. And they all went happily back to their labour for the truth, for the work of the ecclesia. And any further rumours was treated as evidence of God's presence, because he had revealed their plans. And so the walls went up and up and the ecclesia was strengthened. And in verse 22, they lodged within the walls of Jerusalem. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let every one of you, let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night he may be a guard to us, and a labour in the day. So, brethren and sisters, with a developing crisis, with the proximity of the enemy, with the urgency of the work, it was no longer possible to return to their homes. They stayed within the bonds of the ecclesia and Nehemiah required them to thus protect the city. That's the need for today. Watch ye, for when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find thee faith on the earth. There is, as we see in chapter 4 of Nehemiah, 
a need to close our ranks, to strengthen ourselves, that we might continue to labour in the building up of the walls of Jerusalem. May our prayer be to God that he would help us and encourage us as we do that very thing.